Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Bald Face Truth. You've got the home of the truth. Back to the bald face truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Well, the Oregon Ducks debuted in the college football playoff rankings at number six. Wish Casey Kasem was around. They should have, they could have had him release those rankings at number six. Dan Lanning. Uh, let's uh, go to Spencer McLaughlin. You can read his work at 750thegame.com. He is our Ducks insider joining us now. What did you think? Your reaction to seeing Oregon at six? I think they got a lot of respect from the committee. I think that uh, margin of victory is what really put them there. You know, Colorado 42 to six, Stanford 42 to six, Utah 35 to six and you know the starters not allowing touchdowns in any of those games defensively I think that all makes Oregon uh, look very good and appealing in the eyes of uh, the, the committee uh, I heard your interview earlier this week with Dave Bartu I imagine he was more than a little surprised uh, based on his comments that the Ducks came in at number six but I think when you go on the road and, and dominate a good team like Utah I think that, you know, raises some eyebrows as to, you know, what, what they're capable of. And I think the committee also looked at that Washington loss and said, you know, they, they, they outgained them. It's not like like they lost a football game, and that still has to matter. Results have to matter above all else. But, you know, the context uh, of that matters as well. And it's not, you know, Oregon in 2021 against Utah where they got outplayed uh, and it was like 38-7 to 7 or whatever that disaster was in Salt Lake City and, uh, it wasn't anything like that. I, I think those are, you know, two really good football teams. And I think the committee looked at them and said if they played again, Oregon could absolutely win, and Oregon could have won on that day. And Ducks have played really well since then. Give me an idea of after the Washington game, Oregon looks to me like it locked in, focused, and Washington did the opposite. Do you think that's a psychological thing? Was there something physically that happened with Washington Give me an idea if you're rubbernecking on the Huskies while covering the Ducks. Yeah, I, I think that for the Huskies, you had the classic emotional letdown the following week against Arizona State, right? And I think there was also another psychological factor there, which was that ASU was the last team to beat them. And that's the last time Washington lost a football game. They just keep winning week after week. And I, I think that was kind of the classic case there. And, you know, I've heard from people that cover the program uh, up in Seattle that uh, they've had the flu going around and that, you know, everybody, including Michael Penix, has not been at 100%, but that they're uh, much closer to that, Penix uh, especially, going into this week. So I think we'll, we'll get an idea uh, of whether or not that was that was causing a factor when they play USC. If they come out and play the way that I think they're going to and, and beat the Trojans, then I think we'll know, okay, you know, they had a little emotional letdown, a little you know, sickness going around, not everybody's quite it. 100% and whatnot, and I don't think any team is completely at, at 100%. Uh, the, the Oregon, aside from Noah Whittington, is, is a pretty healthy football team, and that's part of the reason they're playing so well. But, 
Yeah, I mean, no, nobody goes through. Kalen DeBoer talked about this, I think, after the Stanford game that, you know, he's had undefeated seasons going back to his time at uh, Sioux Falls, and he said there are always games like this, and, and that's true. I mean, you look at, you know, the best Oregon teams the last 15 years. The the last one to go undefeated, and I think the first one was, uh, you know, 2010, Michael James, Darren Thomas, and year two for Chip Kelly. They go to the national championship game. They, they had a game on the road against Cal, of all teams. They won, I think, 15-13 to 13 was the final score, and they only had one offensive touchdown. They needed a Cliff Harris punt return. So, uh, you know, it's a long season. It's hard to win every single week, and uh, I think Washington has learned that the last couple weeks, and Stanford's been playing better, and the Cardinal could have beat, beat them. They didn't, and, and Washington was able to escape, and that, that's what great teams are able to do is when you, you're going to have those games. You know, Georgia against Missouri – last year you, you can find an example really anywhere you look when you find an undefeated season in college football nobody's got 12 12 blowout wins uh, even when playing inferior competition spencer mclaughlin with us you can read him at 750thegame.com uh, he also hosts the locked on ducks podcast locked on pack 12 spencer uh bo nix has been really really good um he he now faces cal then, uh, of course, looming uh, down the road for Oregon, USC. Uh, that that is obviously a big one. Um, you, you know, you look at the uh, Civil War game. You uh, you look at Arizona State. Uh, what's the biggest challenge for Knicks? And what's the biggest challenge for Oregon's team that you see remaining on the regular season schedule? I, I think the best defense that they're going to face is quietly Arizona State. Um, you know, you got the Beavs in there. That's quality defense, no doubt about it. They've had their struggles on the road. I'm curious to see how they play against Colorado because they had their best defensive effort in Tucson against the Wildcats, but not their best offensive game plan, the weird fake field goal before the half, which I'm sure Oregon State fans are still trying to wrap their wrap their minds around. I know I am, and it just goes to show you that nobody's perfect. Jonathan Smith is a great coach, and he made a pretty – a massive blunder in in my view there, but uh, sometimes, unfortunately for the bees, that's the way the cookie crumbles. But I, I think that defensively, you know, for Bo Nix, that Arizona State defense, go look at the numbers, John, and everybody listening, they're good. I mean, they're, they're just straight up good. They're the only team to have held Washington without an offensive touchdown this year, and they did so on the road, and uh, they, they held Washington State to 27 points, and we know what that offense is capable of when Cam Ward is humming, and I mean, they they just keep playing well. They they play hard. I, I I think Kenny Dillingham's doing a nice job with a really difficult situation down there. And his defense coordinator Brian Ward has been given an extension, and understandably so, because I mean, Washington State's defense has regressed, and ASU's defense is legitimately one of the four or five best in the Pac-12. Spencer uh, Dan Landing this year. Let's grade him. The Washington game, obviously, uh, he probably should have took the points. Could have put him in a different position. But if Oregon gets to the title game, wins the title game, makes the playoff, you know, how do you evaluate Dan Lanning so far? And if he does get to the playoff, what kind of year? Where do you where do you rank his year and the kind of job he's done? I mean, I, I suppose you have to reserve an A-plus for, you know, a coach that wins a national championship. But, I mean, do you really look at Chip Kelly's coaching job in 2010? and say, ah, I was just an A, not an A+. plus. I mean, you're literally on the doorstep of winning the winning the whole thing. So I, I think that you, you, get a, you get way above a passing grade if you get to the playoff. Um, I, I think, though, in order for the Ducks to look back and say, hey, this season had, you know, some level of success, 
especially with the way you know they're they're playing right now and the way everything has gone, barring an injury to Bo Nix, you got to play in the Pac-12 championship game. And, and that was my expectation before the year was I would have said you know anything below reaching the Pac-12 title game is a disappointment, and they they are in a great position to get there, and I think that they will. But there's still a ways to go. You still have to play on the road in the desert. We know things can get weird down there. Still have to play a rivalry game. Still have to play Caleb Williams and USC. Bad defense, but a great offense. You can do a lot of things with a great offense, and we'll see how they look against the Huskies uh, at, at home this week. So I, I think that if you get to the playoff, yeah, that, that's an A, and we'll hold off the A-plus for the first Oregon coach to win a national championship. But, but I mean, it, it would be hard to not feel good if – if Lanning ends up winning the winning the Pac-12 this season, where are your concerns? If you're a Duck fan, where should you be worried? Converting on fourth down. I, I, guess, <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I, 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 I don't know what else. And even that, you know, statistically on the season, Oregon's been very good on fourth down. They were just bad in that one game. I, I mean, you look at the way this Ducks team has played and. You know, they're not just playing complete football. They're playing better football each week. I, I mean, look at the way they played against Texas Tech. I remember, you know, as a lot of fans do, panic texting with my brother and a friend of ours during the game, just thinking, man, is this going to be just like just an okay season? Like, is this another, you know, 9-3, and 8-4 and four kind of year? Like, is, is this just what it is? But they've just continued to play better and better football. They've cleaned up the procedural penalties. They've cleaned up the secondary. They're making better plays. They're getting after quarterbacks. I mean, everything just keeps getting better. And a lot of things are already playing at about as high of a level as you can, and that starts with Bo Nix, who is just the same player every single quarter that he takes the field this season. He's been fantastic. And, you know, you look at the numbers across the board, and it reflects what – what the eye test says, and that's that, you know, Oregon can run it, they can throw it. They can do the short game, they can do the mid game, they can do the downfield game, they can get after quarterbacks, they stop the run, they cover well. I mean, they got everything right now. I think they're the most complete team in the Pac-12 and the best one when they play at their best. I think the one thing that you got to ask the question about right now is, is special teams. And the special teams even have been better than last season. Ross James, the punter, I know punters don't get a lot of love on shows like this one. He's been outstanding. He is booming punts <laughs> up and down the field. And Oregon was last in the conference in punting average last year. He's completely flipped the script on that. I don't have his numbers in front of me. He's been really, really good. And then the other question you have to put out there is Camden Lewis. And, you know, a guy who was so reliable last year, preseason all-conference second team, deservedly so, hits what, you know, was a game-winning kick against Texas Tech. If he misses that, Oregon loses the game most likely, and they're, you know, not able to get to the playoff. And then the Washington game comes around, and I, I think that'd be the biggest question is if you needed a big pressure kick, whether at home or on the road, to win a game, does, does Camden Lewis have, have the mental moxie to bounce back? And I hope he does. You know, it's not like he doesn't have the leg or the talent. It, it's between the ears because – he has struggled the last few weeks. Didn't have to kick a field goal against Utah. Didn't need field goals. It was all touchdowns, which was great. You're not going to have that every week. And eventually, you know, uh, like the Washington State game, an opening drive that goes down the field, derailed by penalties, got to be able to get three points out of that. And they didn't. And when you play a team like a USC or an Oregon State, you just hope that doesn't come back to bite you. So 
I, I'd say the kicking game is probably the number one area where I go. It's the only area I can say I have a concern because everything else, both sides of the ball, looks really, really good. All right, I'm looking this weekend, and, you know, Washington's at USC. Washington has a gauntlet ahead of it, you know, with Utah, yep. Oregon State, the Apple Cup, and Washington hasn't played well. But uh, I know Duck fans want another shot at Washington, but simultaneously Duck fans would like to get to Vegas as the one seed, and who cares who they play there? They win out, they go to the title game, and, uh, you know, or, or Oregon State fans are hoping uh, they win out and maybe they get maybe they can get to Vegas. But what do you tell people who ask you, Spencer, who should Oregon be rooting for in this USC-Washington game? Because if USC wins the game, um, it, it leaves three teams with one loss in conference play. It muddies things up. And if USC loses the game, it makes Oregon's game against USC next week maybe a little less shiny for the playoff selection committee, even even in a win. I don't know if USC's ranked. So you tell me, who should they be rooting for? They should be rooting for USC. And, you know, it sounds weird to say that, especially as someone who, you know, laments all the conference realignment and the role that USC played there, which was, you know, not it wasn't only them. They certainly played a principal role in, uh, in the demise of the Pac-12 here. And there are a lot of USC fans that I think will just kind of say that out loud and, you know, do so proudly. But I think that USC is the side to root for if you're Oregon here because in the context of the Pac-12 championship game, nobody can stop Oregon. No matter what happens, nobody can stop Oregon from getting to Las Vegas because the Ducks play USC, the only other one-loss Pac-12 team. So if they went out, nobody can keep them away. And so what you're then looking at is, well, how do we assure that Oregon's got the best resume possible to make sure 100% they get into the playoffs? Now, the only time a one-loss Power 5 champ has ever been left out of the of the 14-team playoff was Ohio State in 2018. They went on to beat Washington in the Rose Bowl game. I don't think that happens to the Pac-12 champion. I think that a one-loss Pac-12 champ, I mean, half the league is ranked right now, John. I, I don't know how a team that can go through that gauntlet with one total loss is seen as less than an ACC champ with one loss or uh, a non-Big Ten champion, Ohio State or Michigan, or a Big 12 champion that has one loss. And, and I mean, I, I think the Big 12 is really, really down this year. I think Texas is going to house Kansas State because they're not that good. But I look at that and say, you want to be sure, right? I'm confident saying that. One loss Pac-12 champ, you're not, you're not keeping them out of the playoff. Do I know that for certain? No. And so if you're Oregon, you want to compile as many quality wins as you can. So if USC wins this week, then they'll go inside the top 15. If Oregon beats them, that's a top 15 win. Then you would go at Arizona State, which is a game you should win. And then you play Oregon State, which is at least going to be a top 25 win. I, I think Oregon State even if they were to end the year 8-4, and four, I think they go 9-3, and three, but I, if, if they were to end the year 8-4, and four, then they should be the highest-ranked four-loss team in the country by the time the season comes to a close. So then if you're the Ducks, between now and the Pac-12 title game, or including the Pac-12 title game, if USC wins and you win out, you would be adding a top-15 win, a top-25 win, and a top-10 win against Washington, or, or USC again maybe, but probably Washington, because Oregon would beat USC to give them their second conference loss next week. 
I don't think there's enough. I don't think there's a resume that's going to beat that coming down the stretch. Spencer, I appreciate you. Is Cal a threat on the way out? Like Cal has scored better than they had in previous years. Their defense hasn't been quite as good. Played USC to the mattresses last week. Should you be worried at all about Cal? You know what Cal is, John? They're they're Rory McIlroy if he suddenly made putts and couldn't hit a fairway. <laughs> like that that's what they've become. Because for years it was, well, they can't score, but they're not gonna let you score very much. Now it's hey, they can score points and it's oh, they can't stop anybody. Over forty five points a game allowed over their last three to the Beavs, USC and uh, and Utah in there, and, and we saw that Utah's offense certainly has a ceiling this year with Bryson Barnes. They put up 34 on this Cal defense. I, I can't see Oregon, you know, barring the weather getting really, really wacky, being held under 40 points in, in this game. I think Cal's offense has got some pieces. Jay Knott, Jeremiah Hunter with Fernando Mendoza at quarterback, good players, solid. They're productive, but I don't think Cal's defense can do enough to, to, to slow down Oregon. I think they're playing at too high a level right now. Spencer McLaughlin, he is our Ducks insider. You can read him at 750thegame.com. Leave it here. Our big splash is coming up.